today, <clears throat> what is the application process? We, we, we looked at a couple of steps last night in Saturday night worship. Uh, we were looking at a sermon series there called Say Yes to the Mess, and how do you walk that out? What are the, what are the steps that we take? I believe uh, that if you continue to come and we do not give you steps, application-driven measures to apply the principles of God's Word, then you all you will have is information with no context to simulate, uh, apply it to your life and begin to have a simulation of the Word of God and your life and the two coming together to work in your life effectively. So let me summarize for you. Let me read you some verses, and I'm going to come back and, and summarize the first part of the chapter. But here's what it says in verse 24. Well, let's back up, if you will. 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 19. For although I am free from all people, I have made myself a slave to all. In order to win more people. Would you underline that in your Bible? In order to win more people. Paul says, I have no obligation to anybody. I'm free. But yet I'm a servant. I'm a slave by choice. To who? Well, he spells it out for us in case there was any question. I'm a slave to the Jewish people. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win Jews. <coughs> to those under the law, like one under the law. Though I myself, I'm not even under the law. To win those who are under religious principles. That's what he's talking about. Verse 21. To those who are Gentiles, who are outside of the law, who religion doesn't matter. I became like one that was outside of the law, not being outside of God's law, but under the law of Christ. To win those who are outside of the law. Those under the law, I identify with. Those outside the law, I identify with. To the weak, I became weak. In order to win the weak, I have become all things to all people so that I may by all means win some, save some. Now, I do all of this, here's his motive, because of the gospel. I'm going to come back to that, but that's heavy. That I might, I may become a partner in the benefits of the gospel. You want to know what Paul's motive was? Right there. I may win some, and then I might reap the benefits of the gospel, of being a partner with the gospel. <clears throat> Do you know that the runners in a stadium, they all race, but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. Now, everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. However, they do it. 
to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable one. Therefore, I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one who just beats at the air. Instead, I bring my body under subjection and I discipline it and I have strict control over it so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Now, here's what's happening. Chapter 9, verse 1, he opens up and he says, I'm a free man. Am I not an apostle? I'm an apostle. Have I not seen the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you not in the work of the Lord? Am I? If I am not an apostle to others, at least I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship. That's important right there. Now, there's a lot of talk about apostles in our day. The apostolic church and all of this. And they call themselves apostles. And I'm not belittling this. But Paul lays out the qualification for an apostle. He says, am I not an apostle? That's what he says. Question mark. Am I not an apostle because I seen, I saw the resurrected Jesus Christ? Question mark. The qualification to be an apostle was to witness the resurrected Jesus Christ. Now, Paul was the only one of the apostles that did not see him before he ascended. All the rest of the apostles witnessed the resurrected Jesus Christ in the 40 days after the resurrection and the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 1, actually right there, uh, those 40 days, because Pentecost was 50 days, but before he ascended, it was the ones who witnessed him, who saw him, who spent time with him. Now, Paul did not witness him in that 40 days, but God, Jesus, came to him on the road to Damascus in the book of Acts. And, and Paul, Paul saw him. He encountered the resurrected Jesus Christ. So here's what Paul says. I love this verse right here because he really clears up some stuff. He says in 9-1, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? Now, I want you to circle that in your Bible or highlight it in your smart device. Am I not your, are you not my work in the Lord? If I am not an apostle to others, at least I am to you. Paul says, if nobody else counts me as an apostle, church of Corinth, at least you do. At least you, you know what God's doing in my life. And I love this right here. You are my seal of apostleship one place in the new testament it talks about letters of accommodation like recommendation and paul says you are my letter of recommendation you are my seal of apostleship everybody knows that i'm an apostle everybody knows that i'm a free man everybody knows that i encountered the resurrected Jesus Christ, but others are still questioning my apostleship, the authenticity of my apostleship, but you, my friends, are the seal of my apostleship. And then Paul gets really into what, if you just read through this and not paying a lot of attention, you would call it, he wades off into some theological weeds here. Because for the next few verses, he starts talking about giving. 
And, uh, well, that makes a lot of believers flinch up. I don't know why. Jesus gave it all for them. All to him we owe. But, you know, when it comes time for us to give back, we get a little tense. And we want to start negating. Is that an Old Testament principle? Is that a New Testament? Where are we at on all that? Anyway, they get into this right here. And, and, and Paul weighs into it. And he says, here's the thing I want you to have. I want you to have hope. If you look at it in your Bible here, I, I circled this in my Bible um, in, verse, uh, in verse 10. He says, or isn't it really saying uh, yes as it is written because if we plow, he wants us to plow in hope. If we thresh, he wants us to thresh in hope for the sharing of the crop. If we have sown spiritual things for you, is it too much for us to ask to reap some material things back? Now, boy. I'm not preaching on giving right now today. But here's what he says. If we have invested in you spiritually, is it too much for, you to ask, for us to ask that you pull your own weight physically? If we're sowing spiritual things into your life, sowing them, sowing them, sowing them, sowing them, sowing them into your life, sowing them in your life, and you're reaping the benefits from the apostles, from, the, from all the men of faith, from the church that was trying to get up off the ground and moving, if you're reaping the benefits of this, then it is too much. Is it too much for us to ask that you pull your own weight? Uh, a modern way of putting that, would it be, would it be too much for you to ask, us to ask that you would give just enough money to cool your body off or warm it up? Is it too much? Is it too much to ask that you would just give enough to support your family? You know, I'm going to move on from that, but that's what he's saying. And then he jumps into this other concept right here, and he says, Now, now I want you to know that we shouldn't, we shouldn't muzzle the ox while he's plowing or, or doing the work. And, and he says that you should, the people who labor in the gospel should be paid for the labor of the gospel. And he's going through this context here. And he says, but now, I haven't taken anything from you. And he says, but now everybody can't be like me. And then he goes into this context right here where we read. He said, guys, here's what I'm trying to get to. All of this is because of you. All of this is because of you. I'm an apostle because God called me for you. For your benefit, for your pleasure, family of grace exists for you. Family of grace exists for the city. Family of grace exists for the hope to reach others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Family of grace exists outside the normal paradigm to try to penetrate those who may exist under the old paradigm. Those who exist under the new paradigm, which is an equation to the Jewish religion and those outside the Jewish religion. That those who are in religion may come to know Christ. Those who are outside of religion may come to know Christ. But that we just might win some people to Jesus. That's what he's saying. There's a lot of people that go to church that are very religious, but they're not righteous. Righteousness does not come by osmosis. Righteousness does not come by close proximity of the church. 
Righteousness comes by the working of the Holy Spirit in our heart and in our life where we're yearning and pleading and begging God to do something different in our life. Paul walks through this stuff. He says, I have become all things to all people that we might build the church. Now, if you want to ever question the authenticity of the vision of Family of Grace, that family of grace exists to reach healthy and hurting people in central Louisiana for the sake of the gospel and to break through ethnic, cultural, generational, economic barriers to help all people become what Christ designed them to be. Designed them to be. Designed. Say that with me. Designed them to be. That's why we exist. Paul said, I exist to reach those who are hung up in religion, those who don't understand religion, those who are weak, I want to reach them, those who are strong, I want to reach them, those of every ethnicity, I want to reach those of every cultural dynamic, I want to reach, that we might win people for Jesus Christ. And you know what? If I need to talk a little Jewish language, then I speak a little Jewish language. If I need to speak the Gentile language, then I'll speak the Gentile language. If I need to speak the language of weakness, then I will speak it. If I need to speak the language of strength, then I will speak it for my sake. No, for the sake of others. For the sake of others. Because you are my seal of apostleship. Now, having said all of that, Paul boils it down to one reason. He says, I want you to know my motive. So that you know this is not ministerial manipulation. A lot of times, uh, boy, I think they train pastors in seminary how to manipulate. And uh, I'll tell people, uh, you know, if it seems a little manipulative, I'll say, no, this is not ministerial manipulation or this is. I give a disclaimer right here. I'm going to put this disclaimer out for you. But here's what Paul says. Here's my motive. Here's why I do what I do. Look at it right here. He says, now I do all of this because of the gospel. Not because he's trying to build the first church of Paul. Not because he's trying to build an empire unto himself. No, no, no. Do you know what Paul could have done if he would have took his ability, his talent, his skills, and his wherewithal and invested it in one piece, one town, one city, one province, one piece of real estate, and he would have not went anywhere else? He would have had the mega church of Paul. But that's not what Paul's mission was. It was to litter the countryside with the gospel of Jesus Christ and to drop the gospel everywhere he went in all these different provinces and all these different countries on this missional journey for the sake of the gospel to win people from every nation, from every tribe for the sake of Christ. That's what he was doing. And he says, now, I do all of this because of the gospel. Because I want to be a partner in its benefits. What is the benefit of the gospel? The benefit of the gospel changes, changes lives. <clears throat> you know somebody different because of the gospel? I could probably name you 10 people this morning on my hands. Right here, all 10 fingers, I bet you. I'm not going to. 
that in the course of this year, <clears throat> these two months that we've completed, that their family, their friends, their counselor, their spouse, their boss, somebody has seen a change in their life. And they say, what is it? The gospel. The gospel. What is the gospel? Well, the full gospel is the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The full gospel is that regardless of where I'm from, regardless of what language I speak, regardless of what my nationality is, that I can be born again. The full gospel is that I can come to him when I'm weary and heavy laden and he will give me rest. The full gospel is that when I sin, I have an advocate who walks along beside me, whoever lives to make intercession for me. The full gospel is that if I confess my sins, he, capital H being Jesus Christ, is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. The full gospel is this, that what can separate me from the love of God can height or depth or width or height or principalities or powers or angels or any other force separate me from the love of God. No sir, no ma'am. The full gospel is this. The full gospel is that when I was broken, when I was undone, when I was condemned to death that Jesus Christ died for me. The full gospel is this. That the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And I am a benefit of that gospel. When a person crawls into a tanning bed, they have to wear special goggles to protect their eyes. Because when they come in contact with those supersonic ultra rays it affects the external condition of their body when you come in contact with the son through the gospel of jesus christ it internally affects your soul print and it'll change you it'll change you all right, so what must I do? Three things, write these down. Paul said, I must remember that I'm in the stadium and I'm in the race, but I'm not just running. I am running to win. I am running to be, I love this. Boy, this really negates this whole new movement that we have. Everybody gets a trophy. Paul says, do you not know that all the runners in the stadium race, but only one receives the prize? Only one. You say, no, that's not right. Even in, even in, the, even in the Greece uh, theater of, 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 of the original Olympics, there were people who won the silver and the bronze. No, 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 they got these wreaths, these victories that they had. But do you know, can I just mess you up for a minute? The person who wins silver, do you know what he really won? He was the first one to lose. Gosh, well, I knew you wouldn't like that. I mean, somebody crossed first, and then here comes the silver. He was the first one behind him to lose. And then the bronze was the third to lose. And then there's the fourth and the fifth and the sixth, and then the last one coming across the line. 
Paul says, I'm telling you something, Church of Corinth. I want you to know that you are my seal of apostleship. I am in this race, and I am in the race to be the victor. I am not going to be the victim. And there is someone that's keeping score, and I am going to win. We as the church are to act like we're in a spiritual race and we are running after the souls of men and women, boys and girls, and we are chasing after them for the glory of God. Yes, may they want to go to hell. It's their choice, but may they go to hell with us as the church of God hanging around their ankles, grabbing a hold of them and loving them all the way there. I saw an ad this week that kind of took my breath away. It's no new news that Ronald Reagan Jr. is a devout atheist. And he had an ad that came out this week that uh, may have came out sometimes past. I just saw it this week. And he goes on this whole thing about freedom from religion and not having to deal with religion. And at the end of it, he says, I am Ronnie Reagan, a lifelong atheist, and I am not afraid to burn in hell. And I thought, well, if you really believe there wasn't a hell, why would you even mention it? It's my thought, I mean, but may, may, may we chase after in the race of faith those who are weak, those who are strong, those who are religious, those who are atheists, those who are agnostic, those who are Muslims, those who are Jewish, every man, woman, boy, and girl, may we have a hot heart to chase after them. Please understand, we must know what race we are competing in. We must understand the race. You must know how many laps you've got to go. You must understand the dynamic of that race and what you're doing. Number two, you must know what you're competing for. Paul says right here in verse 2, he says, uh, verse uh, 25b, he says, Now everyone who competes exercises self-control. But then he goes down and he says, However, they do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable one. Now, let's talk about this in the context, and we'll wrap this thing up. This is really centered around the Olympics. The Olympics started way back when, in Paul's day, they would gather into the Greek theater, and they would watch these Olympics take place, and they would receive this victor's wreath, and it was a perishable crown. Paul says everyone that's in this stadium, you can still go and see the stadium today that he was talking about. Everybody that runs in this stadium runs for an imperishable one. But we're, I mean for a perishable crown, but we're running for an imperishable crown. Think about it in this dynamic. Theologians and Christians have said, oh, Paul's talking about the crown of life, the crown of endurance, and all the crowns that are <laughs> listed throughout the New Testament. That's not really what Paul's talking about. Paul's crown was the Jewish people. 
Paul's crown was the Gentile people. Paul's crown was the weak people. Paul's crown was the strong people. Paul's crown was everybody that he came in contact with. Go back to verse 1. That's why I read it in this chapter of verse 9. You are my seal. You are my seal of apostleship. Remember what you're competing for. I mean, what are you going to do? Man, people talk about when I get to heaven, I'm going to get these crowns. I mean, really? Are you worried about five simple crowns? I mean, the streets are made of gold. If you do get a crown, you're probably going to be so overwhelmed looking at the nail-pierced hands, you're just going to lay them at the feet of Jesus. It's not like you're going to say, which crown do I want to wear today while I walk down the streets of gold? Come on. The real crown is the people that are following behind you of whose lives you touch. That's what Paul's talking about. That's the benefit of the gospel. That's what he's a partner with. And the last thing, the last thing you must do is you must know that disciplines are needed. Verse 25 says, everyone who runs exercises self-control. Verse 26 says, therefore I do not run like one who's just running aimlessly but, or like one just beating at the air. But I am focused in on a target. I'm focused in on a target that I might win the crown. What does that have to do with us today? A lot. Because some of you have made some new commitments to walk with Christ. Some of you have made some new commitments to branch out into some ministry opportunities that you've never branched out into before. And if you don't keep your eye on the prize... You're going to get frustrated and quit. We're going to let you down. We're humans. We're going to come up short as your staff. And you can get sideways. And you can say, boy, if this is what church is all about, I don't want anything to do with it. Or this or that. Or one thing or another. Or Paul said, I'm disciplining myself so that in the end, look at this last verse right here, that I myself might not be disqualified. I want you to know that we are humans and we are wrapped in flesh and when we walk this thing out, there are people who are in ministry that at some point will be disqualified by their actions. But if your eye is on the prize and not on the prince or the princess of ministry, then you will uh, be unmovable. You will be unshakable because you will realize except for the grace of God, maybe so would you be in the same shoes. You must know what you're competing for. You must know what our target is. Our target is not to reach a city, not to arrive to the status of approval, not to be at the place where everybody's talking about family of grace, not to build a mega church or mega churches. Our aim is to win people of every ethnicity, to win people of every economic bracket, to win people of every cultural dimension, and to win people of every generation. And if we're going to compete and win that prize, then we must discipline our spirit and our body. If health is our aim, then we won't have to worry about impact. What we need is a healthy church. How many of you know that health hurts? You ever try to get healthy? Oh, Lord. It hurts. 
It not only hurts when you go to the gym, it hurts when that lady keeps coming by saying, you sure you don't want some of these desserts? Huh? You sure? I mean, it hurts every time your kids drag out the junk food. It hurts every time they pass by with a bacon double jalapeno stuffed cheeseburger and it's dripping down the side. It hurts. Try to deprive your body of anything and it hurts. Try to deprive your spirit and it hurts. We must bring our spiritual bodies under discipline along with our physical so that we can win the people, obtain the prize. What are you even running for? I mean, what are you even serving for? Is it because somebody ministerial manipula ministerially manipulated you into a position of leadership? Or is it because you want to be the catalyst that makes a difference in the lives of people? Wow. I ran across this video not long ago. It was... Uh, it may have been out for a while, but there was this video of an elderly man sitting in a crowded room, a theater full of people. And one by one, they began to stand up. And this elderly man was somebody that took children and hid them from the Germans hid these Jewish people during World War II and now an old man a frail man sits in a crowded theater and everybody surrounded surrounding him was a child that he rescued yet he never even knew it that is the crown that Paul is talking and when we get to heaven, there's people walking up to us and saying, Boy, I'm here because you gave. I'm here because you served. I'm here because you said no to your desire, no to your flesh, no to your old ways. I am here. Well, I don't even know you. Well, you don't have to know me. I know you. And I am here because of you. Guys, that's why you said yes. That's why you said yes. Remember the prize. Remember the discipline. And remember the race is not a sprint. But it's a marathon. And we must pass the baton to the next generation.